Yo, welcome back. This your boy Frank Nader, and you're tuned into the Dovision Experience Podcast. I'm back for another week of those near hot takes. Whether you agree or disagree with them, I'm putting them out there, so let's discuss. If you didn't get a chance to check out my first podcast, you can catch it on any of the podcast listening services such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And while you're there, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Also, if you took the time out of your quarantine day to check out my first episode, I really appreciate that. Because getting through that first episode is always the toughest because it's always the first step you have to take to do anything. I got it out the way, now I'm on to my second episode. This week I'll be introducing a few different segments to help streamline my thoughts a little better. So stick around, hear what I have to say, let's get it. I appreciate you guys sticking around and seeing what I have to say about some of these ideas that I be having floating around my mind and my brain. I just we kind of want to get them off because as an artist, you're always trying to find different ways to kind of get your point across. And I talk about it in the chat, but there are sometimes I want to talk about it a little bit more in long form. And you don't necessarily have that person to talk to. So this gives me an opportunity to talk about some of those ideas I be having, some of those conspiracy theories I be thinking about in my head, but I don't actually tell anybody. But now I'm actually trying to tell somebody. So this long form content is going to really help me out here. Man, I've been going, it's been going crazy over these last couple of weeks and trying to just see how our country has been acting. You know, this this COVID-19 has really been exposing how our country is not together as they try to appear to be. You got one governor in one state doing one thing and another governor in another state doing a totally different thing. And they're trying to see who has the best ideas. But at the end of the day, it's all about the people. Their ideas are not working. They're trying to tell people, okay, it's, you, you can go back outside. You can go to the barbershop. You can go to the, to the bowling alley, to the movies. Oh, you can go back to the salon. Oh, it's okay. But at the same time, they're not opening up the golf courses. They're not doing the things that they're going to go go out there and have their people uh, get involved with. Uh, I don't understand it. Like, we, we're such in a rush to try to open things back up where I think we just need to just let it crash. Just let it all crash, let it burn to the ground, and let's start all over. We keep trying to hang on to an old economy. We keep saying, oh, the economy is going to crash, the economy is going to crash. So what? Let it crash. We've already had our wits in on what's going to happen let it crash you know let it be done with then once we let it crash then we all can start from the start from zero start from ground zero together and now hopefully we'll have a better chance at trying to get ahead instead of us trying to hold on to the old ways thing was going living living uh, check to check foot to mouth living by what their means are if we burn it all to the ground and we start from scratch then everybody have a good footing you know i just wanted to get it off my chest first you know, because they're trying to get us to go back out there, like risk our lives, and they're not risking theirs. They're not risking their kids and their cousins and their families. You know, the state of Georgia is just kind of doing what they want to do. The mayor's kind of caught off guard. The, 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 the president's not with the decision. The governor of California is kind of questioning his decision. Are they trying to get you to go back out to bowling? Really? Bowling? Do we even really care about bowling? To be honest, when was the last time you actually bowled? Okay, I know back when I was in Atlanta, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. You know, we had a little spot where we used to go to and do some bowling, but that didn't last long. And if you really think about it, man, bowling is pretty disgusting. You know, those 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 balls, man. We everybody just kind of take their hands and you just stick your fingers into those into those bowling balls, and all of a sudden you just throwing a ball down the alley. You're not even thinking twice about it. And then you putting your feet in those dirty shoes that they just go and spray. And you want us to go back out to that? And then you're gonna send us back out to the movie theaters and crowd us back up, and they can at the same time they're supposed to be talking about social distancing. Really? How's that social distancing if somebody put a movie out and you cram 50 people in a movie? I don't really think they're thinking about that, you know, especially in the state of Georgia. They're going to get our people who are this part of one of the largest cities with a black population 
and then all of a sudden they just want us to kind of like go back out there and just do things as normal and at the same time they're not forcing you to go back out there of course they're not forcing you to go back out there but at the same time if you put candy in front of a kid what they gonna do they gonna eat the candy as soon as you turn your back they're gonna take the candy swipe it and eat it so if you tell people hey go back out it's okay they're gonna do it and i don't understand that man they just they're just not being logical so we have to be a little bit more common sense based and we have to understand that you know this is a virus and virus takes time to you know kind of heal up and cure we haven't got a vaccination so it's going to take time for somebody to kind of figure out something are you going to be the first person to take the vaccine vaccine i know i'm not i'm not being no test subject because that's basically what they're doing nobody has a clue on what how to how to resolve this virus issue they're just saying hey self-quarantine and here they go hydroxychloroquine uh what whatever this stuff is called, you mix it with that, and then that's a possible cure. Then all of a sudden, they, they were pushing it, and then all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 let's not do that, That that's that's harmful. It can cause some type of heart disease, and cause some type of, like what, come on, what? You guys are pushing this, and then all of a sudden, you just turn around and you say, oh, that's not good for us? So you gotta be careful, man, what these people are putting out. Nobody really knows what's going on. They're just going day to day and giving you updates, try to make it seem like they're on top of things, but they really don't. The world is in a crisis. You know, some states have shut down, some states haven't. Here in the Bay Area, you know, they're, 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 we're constantly on the shutdown. We've been shut down for at least 35 plus days here. And some of the other some of the other states, they haven't even been locked down that long and they're already reopening things back up. So you have to wonder, what are they really trying to do? Are they trying to get people sick? Because they've already said that they're gonna have a, um, a two to 3% increase once you start opening things back up. I'm like, what, are you serious? Are you really gonna, you really gonna acknowledge there's gonna be a, a, a spike after you open things back up and you already opening things back up 30 days into it, what's that gonna do? That's gonna get more people sick and it's gonna have to turn around and reshut everything back down. And you know how hard it is to get a shutdown the first time, how much harder it's gonna be is to get things shut back down again. Like in Georgia, the city of Albany, they never shut down, so they have the highest cases of numbers of, of, of the COVID. So coronavirus is just gonna be here for a long, a longer period of time the longer we're out mingling with one another. I know we want to go out and party. I know we want to get a haircut. Man, I know it. I'm feeling the same way, but we have to think about long-term. We have to think about the long-term effect. The faster we get out, the more the numbers are going to spike, the longer it's going to take us to get over it. We're going to mess around and be right back in flu season the way we keep going, we keep trending. Think about it. It's April now, and we, we open things back up three, four weeks in, they see, oh, the numbers are actually spiking too high. We need to we need to turn around and shut things back down. You shut things back down, it's gonna take another two or three weeks to shut things back down. And then you gotta go another two or three months inside, starting the process all over again. You've, you're going from spring to summer to fall, and you're gonna be right on the cups, cups of actually doing um, flu season all over again. So it puts us right back in a, in a, in a terrible situation. So, you know, these people are actually trying to run these numbers, trying to flatten the curve. The curve is really, really isn't flattening, but you're constantly seeing people are passing away from the virus. You know, so we just have to be, we have to be more conscious of you know, our thought process and trying to figure out, use our common sense and say, hey, is this okay? Do, do I really want to be out around people who I don't know who had, who might have the, might have the virus because it takes two weeks to actually detect it? Now they're kind of getting a little bit more advanced where they have more testing where people can kind of probably test and have some free testing and things like that, which is kind of getting better. But at the same time, you can have the virus for two weeks and not even know it. So how many people could you possibly come in contact with at a barbershop, at a salon, at a movie theater, um, or at a bowling alley before you actually realize you had it? 
And then once you realize you have it, are you really gonna go backtrack and say, oh, two weeks ago, I was at the bowling alley. Should I contact these people who possibly could have it? No, you're just gonna try to go through self-quarantine and then it's just, the numbers is gonna continue to rise. So they're playing, they're, playing, they're playing a dangerous hand in my opinion. You know, this is just my opinion, you know. I'm not trying to force this on anybody. I'm not trying to say this is right or wrong or what they're doing. I'm just kind of sitting back watching and using my common sense that I feel that I feel that's best for me, you know, and my family. I'm trying to keep away from people as much as I can, but at the same time, I'm trying to continue to, you know, encourage people, trying to be positive, trying to hopefully we can get past this, past this epidemic. Let me say pandemic. You know, everybody say, oh, it's just like the flu. It's just like the flu. Okay, yeah, a lot of people die from the flu. We we understand that. But are people dying as rapidly from the flu? I'm not sure. I don't know the numbers. Who's really keeping up with the numbers like that? You know, I don't want to just disregard that. But at the same time, you know, this this COVID, this coronavirus has basically shut down the world. I've never seen the normal flu shut the world down. You know, it shut the economy down. You know, they got the they got the government on their heels right now. This virus got the government on their heels. They don't know what to do. They're like, oh, we're gonna give everybody twelve hundred dollars. That should help. Uh, you're gonna give everybody twelve hundred dollars, but you're gonna take weeks to get it to them. And then once you get the money, finally get it out, you send it to the wrong place so people can't even get the money that you're giving to them. And now they're already behind the eight ball. So what else they're gonna do? Oh, let's open things back up. Let's try to jumpstart the economy by opening the jobs back up. But if you start opening jobs back up, are people really gonna start coming back out? You know, they're just trying to do things to try to keep to keep their pockets lined. At the same time, they're trying to quote unquote see do what's best for the people. But how are you doing best for the people if you know the numbers are going to spike as soon as you as soon as you open up things? You know, once things back open, people are going to start trying to flock back out to these different locations. They want to get food. They want to sit down. They want to have some normal. They want to have normalcy in their life. And if people are not really conscious on that, they could be transferring the virus to another person and not even knowing it. So how? How 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 important and how important it is to jumpstart the economy. Again, I just say just let it burn. Just you know, I know it'd probably be the worst thing ever, but let it just go. You know, we're hanging on. We, we used to think Y2K, the world was gonna end. The world's gonna end. Y2K hit, passed, the world's still here. What if we do that with the economy? What if we just say, hey, just let it crash, go down to the burn to the ground. We sit back and watch it. You know, our people kind of hold on as best as we can. We, we we huddle up and we support one another and we get past the crisis and then we all start from ground zero again. How about that? What if that what, what if that's the best method but nobody's talking about? You know, homes, home prices will start coming down. Maybe some of my people will be able to get into some of these nice homes, some of these nice areas. Because uh, right now, you know, everything's on a freeze, but when economy's going good, these housing prices are going up. And you can't even get in. You, the millennials, we basically went through two of the toughest times. We better go through two depressions in our lifetime. Our parents can't say that. You know, if you're a millennial, you went through one depression, a recession already. Now you're about to basically go through another recession right behind it, all within a decade. How's that? How's that? How's that fair? You know, life's not fair, but we're gonna survive. We're gonna make it. Our parents haven't had the opportunity to go through that. Only us. But we're gonna we're gonna show how strong we are, the millennials, because they always try to talk down on the millennials. And if you don't think you're a millennial, if you're born in the early 80s, chances are you're a millennial. Now, I don't know the exact date, maybe like 82, 83, or something like that. But if you're in your 30 plus, if you like 30 plus, chances are you're a millennial. And they talk down on you because they think you're lazy. But we're probably gonna be the toughest generation because we've actually went through two, we're gonna go through two recessions in our lifetime and we're gonna bounce back and we're gonna be the strongest of the other group. The baby boomers are sitting up top and they like, 
oh man, what are we gonna do? You know, they kind of they kind of should be struggling, but our generation is gonna be the one to survive, and we're gonna be the one to thrive. And when we look back on this, our generation is gonna be the ones, the millennials are gonna be the ones to kind of help propel this country once this pandemic is over. So don't be a, don't don't be don't be just crazy enough to just rush back out there. You know nobody's forcing you, because you have to think about it. There are some places that really never shut down. You know I just recently saw something about there are some of the food plants that just had some virus outbreaks, like in South Dakota, Iowa, Minnesota, Kansas City, Missouri. Do we really think about where our food comes from? Yes and no, but we don't know where these plants are because we're not we're not around them every day. It's not a part of our everyday life. We just kind of go to the grocery store and we say, oh, I just need a pound of this. I need a half a pound of that. Oh, I want to go get this meat. I want to go get that meat. But at the same time, there's a small outbreak that they mentioned, but they haven't really put an eye, put a, a national eye on it. You know, So it could possibly be a meat shortage. I don't know. You know? But these outbreaks are happening at the same time. We're, we're opening up. We open up states, we open up areas in, without the, throughout the states where some of the states need to just stay on lockdown and try to, you know, get the numbers down as, as much as possible because it was a shocker to me to see the mayor talking about how she was basically blindsided by the governor in Georgia by opening up things and she wasn't really aware of it. So it lets me know that these governors are not talking to one another. They just kind of say, hey, I'm going to do what's best. I think what's best for my state. You do you do what think you what's best for your state. And then we're gonna see out who we're gonna see who comes out on top, and you know that's 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 uh, irresponsible in my opinion. It's just irresponsible. You can't be like that. You gotta all stick together, have one unified plan. If we're all gonna be on lockdown, we all need to stay locked down for you know two three months. But if you think about it, they haven't really gave you they they giving it to us in chunks. You know the first time it came up, it was like oh we're gonna be locked down until blah blah day. And then as we get closer to that date, it's like, oh, we're going to now we're going to stretch it out to blah, blah date. And as we get closer to the next date, they're going to stretch it out to another blah, blah date. Because they know if they give us if they give it to us for straight out with no chaser. Hey, you're going to be locked down for six months. Get ready, man. People will really lose it. If somebody told us we're going to be locked down for six months. When this first popped off, man, people will really lose it. We wouldn't know what to do. So they just give it to us in small chunks where we can take it small doses. You know, they, they know that, hey, if I give it to them in, in four weeks at a time or three and a half weeks at a time, then that's a little bit more manageable with the expectations. But if I say, oh, we're going to be locked down for four months starting, then people are like, oh, my goodness, four, four months? I cannot do this for four months. I cannot stay at home with the kids. I cannot stay at home with, with my significant other. I can't stay at home with my wife. I just can't do it for four months. But they know it, so they try to give it to us in small doses. I've probably seen the governor on TV in the more in the past two weeks than I've probably ever seen him on TV ever. I think he got to be running out of suits because he's on TV every single day getting his FaceTime in, you know, and open up some of these states. So they know got a political race that's coming up soon. So how are they gonna get back on the campaign trail? Anybody thinking about that? Are they thinking about some of these some of these states that may be red that they may be already trying to open up so they can kind of go hit the ground running a little bit, kind of get a little head start on some of the blue states? You know, it's always it's, it's always a, some money involved. It's always a, a, a secondary thought process on what's going on. You know, everybody has a hidden agenda, and we just have to figure out you know what the hidden agenda is so we don't so we don't be a part of it. Are you gonna be? Do you want to be a part of the two to three percent of life of life loss? I don't. I don't want you to be. So I just want to kind of put it out there so that you can make your own educated um, 
get your, your own educated opinion and you figure out what you want to do, you know, people are talking about it. We're just not talking about it in the open. You know, we're probably talking about, our, you know, with our group chats and things like that. But we need to talk about this in the open. People need to be discussing these things because they're discussing it behind closed doors and they make a decision on, on what things should be done. Well, we need to be talking you know, out in the opening or amongst each other and say, hey, man, you know, you guys don't need to be going out there because they don't know what they're doing and they don't have a cure. We've been seeing this thing been probably been going on since November and they haven't come close to a cure. Everybody keeps saying, oh, I have a cure. I have a possible cure if you mix this, you mix that. But then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they're like, oh, this, this doesn't work. So what do you mean it doesn't work? Why, why put the information out there just so you can be first to market so you can try to monetize it? You know, everybody's, uh, you know, it's still trying. When there's blood in the street, there's money to be made. You better believe it. You know, so I just want everybody to kind of just stay focused and keep their mind on the, keep their mind on the, on, the, on the primary goal of staying, staying healthy. We know that things are kind of rough out there, but we have to lean on one another and continue to trust one another. And, you know, even though we're, we're keeping our social distancing, you know, if somebody needs some help, you got to be able to help them. You got to step up in these times. You can't you can't just uh, abandon that person and, and, and turn your back on them. That's not how that's not how, how how the world works. You know, we're humans. We have to help one another. You know, it takes a village. To, it takes a village. I think we got away from that principle of taking a village. Everybody's kind of like out for themselves. Everybody individuals. They want to make sure that their family's safe and their their family's doing well, which I understand. But you know, in those back in those days, those villages, those towns. I come from a small town, less than ten thousand. So I understand how it takes a entire block to raise a kid, to raise a family, to lean on one another. You know, I come from a town where you know this family knows that family, that family knows that family. You know that person, you know that person. When you come to the city, you don't quite get that same vibe because, again, it's a melting pot. So you don't know your neighbors. You just kind of know the people that are in your circle. You know, some of the crazy things that's been going on in the world, you know, everybody wants to travel right now. But there's nowhere to go. Gas, cheap. Gas, basically, you know, you sell a, you get a, a gallon of gas for a dollar and a half, two dollars, two fifty, you know, different places. I think it's like two thirty something here. Gas never been this cheap, but there's nowhere to go. They basically they basically said that the the the, the barrel the uh, the cost of a barrel of gal uh, uh, of oil has went down to basically zero dollars as low as it's ever been. You know, that's why they're probably trying to get things back up. You know they got to get these prices back up. They try to get these stocks back up. You know people trying to get their money. All these airlines and hotel industries they got they they trying to get their money back up. They're first in line to get those bailouts. So. We just gotta continue to and hold tight and and be safe, man. You know you gotta take you gotta take take it in stride and you know take little small doses of going to the grocery stores and getting what you need, sitting on it, you know using it, passing it out, helping others, helping those who need help. Cause it's gonna be it's gonna get tighter because the government basically they run out of money. You know they print all the money but they're running out of money. But they but they got money for you know those big corporations. They gonna have money for those because those are the people who align their pockets when they're on a campaign trail. So they gotta take care of those people first. Whereas the, the, the American people not getting the help that they need. Oh, they, oh, we're gonna give them $1,200, but we're gonna give it to them in six weeks. Oh, 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 when we give it to them, we're gonna make sure we give it to them so they can't reach it immediately. What, like, what are you doing? Like, give the people the money. They need more than $1,200. If you live in, a, in the state of California, $1,200 does nothing for you. You know, you can't pay anybody's rent with $1,200. 
you know, $1,200, yes, it'll kind of help you with groceries, kind of get you there, kind of get you with your footing in a little bit. But if you got rent and, you're, and, you're, and your landlord is hitting you over the head, like, hey, you need to pay us, you need to pay us, but you can't work, $1,200 is, is basically a drop in the bucket. So they need to continue to make those payments, get those payments up and continue to push them out monthly, weekly, you know, however you can, get it out to the people much faster. You got to, because otherwise it's just gonna get worse. And the worse it get, the, the more pressure it puts on the government to open up stuff. And then we take more chances with our, with our lives and our, health, and our health, which we shouldn't be have to take, we shouldn't be basically risking our life just to get a haircut, you know, or going to the movies. What I'm going to the movies for, that's probably a dying, that's probably a dying breed. It was already on his last leg, kind of, if you think about it, not, about, not many people are just out flocking to the movies when all you got all these streaming services. Forget it. Close the movie theater down, push it straight to the to the streaming service, put it on Netflix, you know, Apple TV, wherever you got, put it on the streaming services, and then just sell it like that. You know, because nobody wants, at this point, I won't feel comfortable for a year or two to go back to a movie theater. I'm not going bowling. I want a haircut, but I'm not gonna go risk it all for a haircut. You know, I understand that you know the times are tough, and we we want to go out there and we want to you know get back to norm, get back to some normalcy. But we just got to be more more savvy and more you know more smarts and be educated on these things that we're we're doing and you know listening, taking the information and making educated decisions before we get out there and just rush back out there to the public. You know, my pops, I asked, you know, I had a story. My pops used to basically hunt when I was a kid. You know, I never really liked hunting. And I'm from the, I'm from the South. I never really liked hunting because you got to get up early in the morning and it's cold out there. Who wants to get up at 13 degree um, temperatures and go out and walk around in a, in a field, a wooded area at four or five in the morning? Who wants to do that to go look for a deer that might not even show up? It's been plenty of days my dad would go out in the woods all day and then come back with nothing because he, I'm like, hey, what happened? Why you? He's like, oh, I ain't see nothing. Like, you went out there all day, you didn't see nothing? Like, no, nah, I didn't see anything. And then there'll be days where you kind of hear, you know, you go out there, you see something, you shoot, you hit it, and then you can't find it. You're like, what? We hit it, it ran off, we couldn't find it. We walked like two, three miles, the deer guy took the bullet, he ran off, couldn't find him. Ah, oh, how deflating that must be. But I, I had asked my dad, I was like, hey, Pops, you know, why don't they, why don't you guys just hunt in the summertime? You know, I'm a little bit young, I said, why don't you guys just hunt in the summertime? He, he was like, well, because you can't hunt in the summertime, there's a, a, a particular time in the year where you can only hunt. I'm like, why? He was like, because there are laws to it. I'm like, okay, why? 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 You know, I'm in this, I'm, I'm, I'm asking questions like if my child, my daughter, you know, I'm not five or six, but my daughter kind of, you know, asks a lot of why questions. And so I'm, I'm a little bit younger at that point in time. So I'm asking why, because I want to make sense of like, why are you out there in the cold? Why not just do it in the summertime? He's like, because there are laws and restrictions that don't allow you to certain, let you hunt at certain parts of the, certain times of the year. And I'm like, why? He was like, because if you basically hunt all year long, then you don't get the deer's opportunity to repopulate. You don't get the opportunity to mate and they don't get a chance to make more deers. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. He was like, well, that's the only certain time of the year that you can kill a doe. And I'm like, why? He said, because if you kill all the, if everybody, if everybody's hunting and they're killing all the does, they don't reproduce. I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. And, and with that, with that, that story, I'm like, well, okay, you making sense with that pops. I'm like, but why not still hunt in the summertime? And he's like, because they don't allow you to hunt in the summertime. I'm like, who's watching you? He was like, nobody's necessarily watching you, but if you get caught, you're gonna get penalized. 
so we don't you don't want to hunt in the summertime so i'm like he was like well you just hunt in the wintertime and when they say open up for for doe season you just have an opportunity to shoot and kill does because if you kill does outside of the season there's a heavy penalation on it and i could correlate to the to what's going on now like we do a lot of this um hunting to kind of control the population we don't want the deers to overpopulate so it allow you to hunt in certain parts of the year and right now they could possibly be doing some control population on us where we don't really know it i know it might sound inhumane but if you think about it how could you possibly get rid of a whole entire upper baby boomer generation the 60 plus you know they're not purposely trying to kill someone but if we open up the population and then they open up the doors to new things they could possibly get sick those people die off healthcare hey but you know i'm not i'm not i'm not a conspiracy theorist i'm just talking you know i'm just talking i could be talking out the side of my neck but who knows you know i don't want to you know put that out there but these are just some of my ideas that i think about what could possibly be going on i don't know do us do this do this virus feel like it was came from a bat or somewhere it feels like it was like man-made because all of a sudden you have a disease that could possibly come from a foreign country from a wet market that's been doing this for ages and then all of a sudden boom here go a virus going to shut down the entire world you know but just my thoughts and stick around man i'm gonna come back with my next segment we're gonna talk about some other good This next segment I'm gonna be talking about, it's gonna be that, that, that MJ Chicago Bulls Last Dance. You know, that's coming on ESPN that everybody's been waiting on. They actually push it up because they know ain't nothing going on, no sports going on. We've been fiending for some sports, so why not give it to us now? You know, it's gonna be a 10 part series. They're giving it to us two episodes on a Sunday night. I can't wait for the next episode, man. I'm so excited about what I just saw. Man, that last, that last dance really opened my eyes to a lot of the different things that were going on in upper management. You know, as I was a kid, you know, I was a little bit younger, so I didn't really understand how, you know, organizations and all the different things they could be doing. Yeah, you know that there's a there's a management team that actually signs the players and do all the different things, but you don't know the, the little minute details that were going on that are being exposed in this docu-series. Um, you know how the management are playing tricks and playing games and manipulating players and doing different things and holding people holding people back from you know getting their money like are you serious you got some of the best players in the world on your team and you don't want to play pay them you know what do you mean you don't want to pay the guy this guy has basically come to your franchise scotty pippen has come into your franchise and basically uplifted the franchise with mj to start winning titles titles and more titles. And then you guys are not feeling like you're getting enough credit. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're gonna break this up. I'm gonna get a new coach. I don't you told Phil Jack Jer the Krauss management gonna tell Jer gonna tell Phil Jackson, I don't care if you win 82 games, you're not coming back next year. You mean to tell me what? This guy's winning rings after rings after rings, and you're gonna tell this man, I don't care how many games you win next season, you're not coming back to my franchise. That is idiotic. Like who in their right mind will break up the Chicago Bulls run when they are crushing the league. Jordan has a stranglehold on the league. Nobody's winning when Jordan's around, but you don't feel like you get enough credit, so you're gonna start breaking up the players, not paying them, getting them upset, 
kill or run, but you're killing your own franchise. The Chicago Bull franchise was nothing before MJ got there. Nothing. Soccer was getting more tickets in the stadium than the Chicago Bulls were pulling in. Nobody cared about the Chicago Bulls. It was the Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, and any other sport. Then it was the Chicago Bulls. Jordan got to that team, changed the whole franchise, turned the franchise around. He came into it. He came into the league where it was nothing but big man. Big man would run the league. If you don't have a big man, you're not winning no ring. There is not going to be a two guard that's going to come in here and change things for this for this league. You're not going to win nothing. Is what they're what they're saying behind the scenes about Jordan. This guy comes in and immediately makes an impact on the league. Immediately, the guy was dominating. They say saw the, you saw the footage two weeks in. Everybody knew on the Chicago Bulls that he was the man. The guy was, MJ was so adamant about his job being the best, going out there night after night. The mentality that he brought to the game, it was unmatched. They had never seen anything like that before. Jordan was basically doing things that we had never seen before. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, Jordan's playing, drop whatever you're doing, let's go in the house, let's watch this guy play because we know he's gonna do something we've never seen before. You know, before MJ, you know, we weren't really just dialed in to a player. We just like Magic. You know, we liked our Drexlers and, you know, those type of players. We, we liked the teams. But when Jordan came on, you had to be in front of the TV. He's like when Mike Tyson's boxing. If you're not in front of the TV, you're going to miss it. And you're going to be, you're going to have FOMO the next day because everybody's going to be talking about it. Because MJ was the GOAT. He was the end-all, be-all in basketball when he was playing on the floor. Whenever he laced the shoes up, people were tuned in, they were dialed in, and they were talking about it the next day because he was going to do something you never saw him do before. And this guy in the management is going to try to break up this team. And that goes to show you, man, no matter how hard you work, no matter how many hours you put in, when you play a professional sport, you're still a employee. You're just a high paid employee, but you're still an employee because other people control your fate. You have people who've never played the game before controlling your fate and controlling your money, which is outrageous. You do all the hard work and then they determine how much you're worth. No, let the market determine how much I'm worth. You know, take take it out, take the cap off. Let me let me decide if I'm worth 200 million, 300 million, and I'm making you a billion dollars on your franchise, I want my money. Pay me but no you got these people who have never you know they probably family came into money they got handed down money or no they probably got at some point got opportunity to buy the team and now they own a the team they're billionaires you're millionaires and you think you're living life but they're actually the, they're, they're living a much better life because they're the one signing your checks so you're still an employee until we have our own league you know it's going to continue to be like that we see it time and time again with football. You know, players actually work through all these, hit all these crazy numbers, be the best at their position, and then they have to like beg for their money. They have to hold out for the money. Why are you having to hold out when you're putting, you're performing, you're outperforming a contract, and they don't want to pay you? But if you underperform a contract, cut 
it's over. We're trading you. We're getting done. We're, we're dumping you. We don't even gonna tell you when you get traded. We just gonna trade you off to the next team, and you're gonna hear about it on Twitter. You're gonna hear about it on Instagram. Somebody's gonna call and tell you. They're gonna give you the DC to call and say, "Hey, man, we're gonna go. We're thinking about moving you around. Thinking about moving to the certain team. How do you feel about this?" No, they're just gonna trade you. But if you come to them and say, hey, I think I want to renegotiate my contract, it's like, oh, how terrible is this person? He wants more money. How in the world are we going to pay? Why would he want more money when he have things, things are already set up? He's a millionaire. Why do he want more money? Because I want more money. Cost of life, cost of inflation going up. I want to take care of my kids, 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 kids. You know, you're taking care of your kids because you have to maximize your time in these professional sports because your body is only gonna allow you to play so long. The body is gonna allow you to jump, run, dive, bang, only so much. The body is not meant to take all that pressure. You know, some there are some players who are actually able to play longer than others, but if you look at the majority of the league, careers are cut short from injuries. So you have to maximize your time in the league when you when, when you're good you have to maximize that and you have to get paid like that you know so this documentary is just exposing how bad of a management that the bulls were the bulls management were they basically tried to trade pippen for t-mac in a 97 trial can you believe that yes we know who t-mac is after t-mac became t-mac but in the 97 draft pippen was he was with jordan helping jordan being the being the robin to his batman and then you're trying to trade him for a T-Mac, a rookie. Jordan's like, no, we're not having it. And I'm like, no. So I heard a story where T-Mac said, oh, that was basically a trade on the table for me, for Pippen in the 97 draft when I came in. And Jordan called in and, 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 and nixed the deal. Of course, I would have nixed the deal too. You know, I don't. If I'm, at a, if I'm in the height of my career and I'm trying to push to get more championships and I got a proven guy next to me, why would I want him traded? Not to have anything against T-Mac. He just hasn't proven himself. And I got a guy who's proven himself. And you guys don't want to pay him. The guy signed a seven-year deal for eight for 18 million or something like that. Some crazy, some crazy amount of years for the low amount of contract. You know, like it's outrageous. We need to find his, we need to find his his um his agent. He needs to be stoned. Stone him for negotiating a seven-year contract. Who negotiates a seven-year contract for $18 million? Like, who, who thinks of that? When you go to the table and say, oh, I want seven years on a contract. I don't know, maybe things have changed, but maybe things were different back then, but you wanna have the freedom to be able to move around. Seven years? That is outrageous. This man's the, the 16th, the sixth highest player, paid player in that league, 122 highest player, paid player in the league. That is crazy. You're winning rings and you barely can get paid. And they're trying to break you and trade you up. And so Scott Pippen did what any real real guy would do. He's like, man, you know what? I'm not finna have this surgery right now. Man, y'all not finna mess up my summer. I'ma have a surgery when I wanna have a surgery. I'm sitting out. I'm not gonna have a surgery now. I'ma have it when I decide to have it. And so Jordan's all upset and calling him selfish. Like, nah, bro, you getting paid 33 million and I'm getting paid peanuts. And we're doing, and I'm helping you win rings, and you can you can book who's the money plus your shoe deals, commercial deals, movies, and I'm getting peanuts. Like nah, bro, they gonna have to feel my pain. You know what I'm doing? I'm I'm gonna have my surgery when I want to. The season start. I'm not gonna play. We're gonna see how y'all do without me. And of course, they struggle. But you know, players gotta do this, try to get their money. 
I bet only if, if the food was on the other shoe and we had to pay the owners, I bet it'd be totally different. These rules get switched up real fast, but whoever got the money, they're making the rules. And if you want to be a part of the game, you got to play by their rules. But we got to break that mold. We got to shake it up. You know, these players like Braun and Steph and, you know, these guys who, who are the face of the league, man, they got to kind of step up and take hold of this, take hold of this, this reign as NBA right now because they're the face of the league and kind of make some changes. You know, we can't keep going the way things have been going. Make some changes, put your foot down, you know, come up with your own shoe company, you know, sign, sign your own guys, sign the Rich Paul, sign the Jay-Z, sign to some of these rock, they sign to some of these black companies. You know, if these players start flocking to these black companies and saying we're gonna we're not gonna do this until we see this change, things will really change. But until then, things are not gonna change. This is gonna continue to go and continue to promote our athletes. And when they get old, they're gonna transition you out and transition another guy in. And they're and, and they they continue to stay in their same terrible on terrible management gonna continue to be terrible, you know. But they're trading in great athletes. Man, think about this. This is this is kind of crazy. You're the best player in Pop Warner. You're the best player in junior high, best player in high school, best player in college, and then you go to the worst team in the NBA, and they expect you to turn a franchise around. And you you you're the best, and you've been the best player all your life. And all of a sudden, you come to the worst team in the NBA, and they want you to say, "Hey, we need you to turn this around." You know, we're gonna put some people around you eventually, but we need you to turn this around. And if the if the management terrible, they're never gonna get great players around you, and you're gonna waste away the first five to six years of your life in a terrible situation. You create bad habits, and then once you create a bad habit, you know how hard it is to go from bad habits to great habits to be on great winning teams? It's almost, it's almost impossible to break bad habits if you've been doing it for five or six years. It's bad enough to break a bad habit that you've been doing for two, three months. Imagine doing bad habits, getting paid, and then all of a sudden you gotta turn around and try to go somewhere else and do have, not, not turn around and have great habits. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. Maybe the, maybe the draft needs to be shaken up. Maybe when you say, hey, these managements, if you're going to continue, continue to be bad, we're going to give up your draft pick. You're going to draft at the end of the next round or something. I don't know. You got to come up with something else for, so these management just can't keep tanking and getting these great players and they waste their life away in these bad situations with bad management. I don't know. You know, we got to figure out something or they have to figure out something. I, I'm just, I just miss sports. You know, like everybody else, I'm missing sports. You know, the... The draft, you know, the, the draft, the football draft is basically giving us everything that we actually wanted right now. Thank God for that. You know, otherwise we run here, run cursed, stir crazy because we can't get into sports. We're just watching old, old clips of old sports games and things like that. You know. So I'm, I'm excited about this MJ doc, man. This, this thing is actually, you know, giving us some insight on how things were and what was going on, some mindsets and what, are, what are some of those um, hurdles and obstacles that they had to overcome. You know, management is always gonna be in the way, but the players have to figure out a way to overcome them. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Their egos get in the way. It just it just halts the whole franchise. You know, great players waste their careers in, in bad situations. You know, sometimes it might be better to get drafted a little bit lower to go to a better franchise. You know, I know everybody, you don't want to be that number one pick to have, yeah, I'm that number one pick. You get paid, but then you go to that bad situation and you ride away there. And then you you, you give up hope and you get hurt and you, you don't come back as strong. And then next thing you know, they kind of move on from you. They, they find the next guy to the draft. 
know, if you come down, you come, you be like the fifth pick or the eighth pick and things like that. You go to better franchises. You go to winning franchises. You, you're around winning cultures. People who actually, you know, what, know what they're doing and setting good trends for you and setting good habits for you. Nobody wants to be a part of a loser. Can you imagine being a winner all your life and then you go to a losing situation around losers? Man, you'll drive you, it'll drive you crazy. You'll be around losers. I was losing my mind when I was when I was on a pop one team and I get there and they've been losing for the longest and I get on the team, get drafted on the team. I'm like, what are we doing? We can't we can't win? You're doing you're doing everything you can and you still can't win. Imagine doing that in the NBA when you're getting paid though, but you're losing, but you want to get a ring. Cause you want to justify your career. You want to say, oh, I got the ring. I want to be in the pantheon of these great athletes. But you're on a terrible team and you're putting up 35 points a night or 34, 34 points a night and you can't get past the first round. Or you can't even get into the playoffs. So, you know, we just got to continue to watch these things and, and, and be excited about this, just the sports that we have from the docuseries that ESPN has put up. Jordan, Jordan's given us this, this this glimpse into the world of the Chicago Bulls, and we have to just be appreciative and enjoy it because we don't know the next time we're going to see something like this. I'm excited. I'm going to continue to be excited. And um, that, in that segment, I'll basically be coming back with my next. Segment. Hey, welcome back. Um, like I said, I've been talking about the IG battles that we've been seeing going online lately. Um, the latest one has been that Teddy Riley and Babyface one, which was crazy. You know, they gave us some great content. Didn't go as well as first. You know, everybody's online, ready to hear this battle. And Teddy Riley, being an old head that he is, he's just doing way too much. Way too much. Dude got a whole live crew in the coronavirus shutdown in his basement trying to put on a show. Like, dude, what are you doing? Just plug up the arts chord, give us the music. We already know what's, what the music is, just give it to us. You ain't gotta perform it. Dude, got, a, got all these mics in the room, got all these people in the room, and they can't get the sound right. Like, what are you doing, Teddy? Just sit down with your arts chord, with your iPhone, turn on the live stream, and give us the music, bro. Like, have you not watched the other battles? You know, Swiss and, Swiss and Tim, they put together these IG battles, man, which have been amazing. You know, we've been seeing some of the good battles, you know, we saw Scott Storch and we saw, you know, we saw Manny Fresh and we saw those, we saw a couple of other battles that go down. But this Teddy Riley and Babyface one popped up and everybody's excited for it. You know, you got a couple hundred thousand people on the stream and Teddy Riley's just basically just giving us memes and great content to talk about because they couldn't get the dog on the street. They couldn't get the sound right. Sound like they was in some tin cans in the trunk or something. Like, bro, come on. Like, what are you doing? That's what old heads need to have some young people around them. You know, you can't get up, be an old head and not have a young around you to kind of help you with this tech stuff, to kind of help you figure out this stuff. You know, you can't be living in the in the old days and we in this new techno technological era and you don't know how to use the technology and you still trying to do things in the old manner. Like, no, bro, just plug up the aux cord, sit down at your computer, hear what Babyface play, then you come back with another tune, with a tough tune. Bro, you got classics, just play the classic. Let the music speak for itself. So they killed, they killed that stream and they had to come back. So they come back to the next one. So he didn't tone it down. He don't have all the people in the room. Teddy, Teddy kind of chilled down. He's like, okay, I had to take a step back. They get the stream going. Man, they just playing some bangers, man. Banger after banger after banger. But again, Teddy Riley is doing the most. Like, bro, 
why don't you have your phone plugged up? Cause you know it's gonna be a battle, bro. You're gonna be on here for a while. You need to find your phone charged up. Man, he up and down every two songs, going try to look in the other room. Teddy, you're on a live stream, bro. You got a 510,000 people on a live stream. What are you doing, bro? Play the music. Babyface just in his, his cool, calm, collective self. He just sitting there chilling, drinking his wine, eating his Skittles. Got his candle burning in the background. Got the Grammy sitting on the case in the background. Just doing what he do. And Teddy Riley's just being act, acting like an old head, man. Just can't get it together, man. Every time he play a couple of songs, we get in the vibe. He gets up on the computer and walk off and walk to another room. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? This is a live battle. What are you doing? Just play the music. You know, we in the groove, play that music. And then all of a sudden, the stream go down. He loses connection. He can't get back on. And then that's when I think, you know, when him and Babyface were trying to get back on, trying to get the connection, it's 510,000 people on. It's amazing how many people had logged in to see this battle, which was amazing, by the way. Then all of a sudden, Teddy Riley can't get back on. Then Babyface just breaks out the guitar and just start playing songs in between the time, in between time. But then I start thinking, I'm like, he was trying to get on, then then, then Babyface dropped it off his, and you run, you jump over on Teddy Riley's page, and you see he got the live going fine, and then you see Babyface trying to log in, but they won't let him log in. And I think it was like, like I started thinking a little bit more, I'm like, man, what if IG is actually blocking this? Like, what what are they what are they doing on the back end that won't allow this stream? Maybe they broke, maybe they broke IG for a minute. Like, I don't know, like, what are they doing? And that's why I was like, hey man, it's time for Swiss and Tim to take it to another platform. They have a proven concept. You know, they know that people want to see this type of content. It's time to package it up, shoot it. I don't know how you do it. You take it to some type of venue and you have them on the stage together and they're going back and forth playing the songs. I don't know how you would do it, but you kind of package that up, you know, put some little, put a nice little spin on it. Let the guys play the music, have a crowd in the background or something and you record it and then you go sell it off to the platforms like Netflix or YouTube or you know some type of streaming service and then you make the money back like that you know instead of trying to let these corporations come in and buy it up from you and then that's, you don't own the content anymore whereas if we own the content we own, we control the cool and then we can decide what platform we want to put it on you know and I'm pretty sure they're thinking about that you know I'm pretty sure they're thinking about how to how to actually monetize it and grow it and do different different things like that because it just basically start off as something for the people but now that they probably see like hey the people will really enjoy this it's time to package it up you know we want to see it on a, on, a, on a grander scale we want to see it with some good sound some good lighting uh, you know we want to see some good production behind it you know it's time for the kind of take the level it up now you got you got a proven concept i would like to see it i'll watch it i would definitely watch it on netflix on a, a eight ten ten episode type type of thing i'll watch it so that's just my, my comments on, on that right there. Uh, I'll move on to my next segment, some of the things that I, I tell you guys about. Um, those those IG battles, I talked about the coronavirus, I talked about the last chance, uh, last dance by, by the MJ Bull story. And in the last segment, I'll talk about some of the doc, docu-series or maybe some of the television shows that you might want to watch. You can be some binge-worthy content. In this last segment, I like to talk about my binge-worthy content. I think that we that's pretty good for while you're at home, some coronavirus TV. Something that I think what people are enjoy was pro probably called the show Black as Fuck. It's created by the guy Kenny Barris. Um, he, he's the guy who created Blackish on the ABC CBS network. Not sure which one of it, it was actually on, but it's a good spinoff. It's, a, it's about a fictionalized character of himself and kind of showing about how he go about his day with this new money that he's he's coming to. 
from all the shows that he's reading and, and having to deal with his family and dealing with the industry and, and dealing with how he feels about the insecurity that he has with his new money. And with that, I really appreciate you guys listening in. Whether you like, disagreed, or agree with me, I love to hear the comments. Talk to me. You can hit me on IG at DoVisionSF. Same on, on Twitter, DoVisionSF. You can email me, DoVisionSF at gmail.com. Check out my website. I got some new canvases on there. Um, I got some new t-shirts and hoodies. Also, if you want to be a part of the Patreon, kind of help produce this show, continue to make me get better with this, um, you can find me at patreon.com forward slash DoVision. And with that, signing out. Until next time. Holla.